My plan for the next few moments that we spend together is to help you on your journey of faith. Now, I don't know where you are. It might be that you're here, and right now, you aren't somebody that's a Christian. That is, you've never come to a point in your life where you've said yes to God and living life His way, and you've said, you've said no to living life your own way, and you've turned and followed God and asked Jesus to forgive you. That's the, the, the basis, that you've never done that. It might be that you're here today, and I'd like to offer some thoughts, some things for you on your journey of faith, but also for those of you who are Jesus' followers, who are Christians, I'd like to give you some things to help you um, help people who are journeying and thinking about faith. Is that all right? As I said earlier, you might as well as say, yeah, because that's what we're going to do anyway. If you'd have said no, it wouldn't really have changed anything. We'd have still done it. Uh, but with that in mind, I want to do a little survey. Okay, so this is the survey. It seems a bit random. It seems a bit random, but roll with me. Reflect upon the depths of this survey. Who here, by way of show of hands, believes in flying cows? Raise your hands. I can hear the murmuring. I can hear the murmuring. Who here doesn't believe in flying cows? Raise your hands. Cynical. It's very cynical. Who's not sure whether they believe in flying cows? Okay. And who's not really bothered? Palpable the apathy in this place. It really is. I read a story a few years ago. I quite like collecting true life stories. They make me smile and make me happy. And I read this story. It said a fisherman on the Aral Sea was enjoying the calm weather and the warm sun when his peace was disturbed by a flying cow. Out of the blue, this Frisian cow landed on his boat, destroying it and almost drowning him. Of course, no one believed in him and his adventure was thought to be a practical joke. The insurance company refused to pay him for his boat, and it was even reported in the local newspapers that he told the tallest of stories until, that is, the U.S. Air Force admitted that a cow in one of their huge transport planes had gone mad and had been jettisoned over the Aral Sea. The newspaper later reported that the insurance claim was approved. You could understand. Sometimes I've discovered in life that sometimes you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may seem. Does that make sense? Sometimes you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may seem. Has anybody ever told you something? You've gone, no way in a million years. And then you realise in the million years it did. It actually did. Or ever have you had something happen in front of you that you've almost refused to believe? Because there's no way. I found out sometimes in life you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may feel. And for those of you who are Jesus' followers, you need to understand that the world out there thinks that we're a bit bonkers. They think it's a bit unbelievable that we believe it. Not only do they think what we believe is unbelievable, they think it's unbelievable that we believe it. <laughs> and I think we need to understand this. In fact, you know, it is biblical. It does say in the Bible, you are 
Okay, I should involve myself. We are a peculiar people. We are a bit bonkers. It is a bit mad to believe what we believe until you find out that it really is believable. And then it changes everything, doesn't it? It's bonkers to think that God can heal people until you suddenly see him heal people and then it becomes very believable. It's crazy to think that somebody can rise from the dead until somebody does rise from the dead and it makes everything believable. And so I don't know where you are in your journey of faith, but if you're here this morning and you may be looking at Christianity, you may be saying, no way, too far-fetched. I want to suggest to you, and if I had the time this morning, I would take some time to point out that there's a lot of things in this world that lots of people believe, including you, which do seem a bit far-fetched. And there's nothing unique in that sense about the Christian faith. There's lots that we believe that it does take a a little step of faith to believe it. There's lots that we don't know that we think is all known. And we have to take a small step of faith. And sometimes even when you see it, it's hard to get your head around it. Let me take you to an amazing uh, section in the Bible. Uh, For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll understand what I say if I say turn to John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. For those of you not familiar with the Bible or you just can't be bothered opening your app, let me read it to you. It says this, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I think that's a bit weird behavior, if I'm really honest. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, peace be with you. I understand why Jesus said, peace be with you. He's just appeared in a room where the door was locked. They are slightly hashtag freaked. So it was a good thing to say, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And whenever the word, uh, the word, the Bible uses the word blessed, it, it doesn't mean kind of like, oh, blessed. Oh, you're blessed, like we sometimes say to people. It actually means happy, happy. There's a kind of double happiness. Anybody want double happiness here? Yeah, yeah I only want double happiness. There used to be a Chinese takeaway around that corner from my house called double happiness. It was rarely happy, let alone double happiness. But I want double happiness. And the way to double happiness in this world is not to suddenly expect everything to appear in front of you for you to then believe, but to believe with a measure of doubt. Because sometimes you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may seem. If you are here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, don't let your unbelief hold you back. I know that sounds a crazy thing, but don't. Take a step and find out. Until I see, I will not believe. There's a sense in which I'm really pleased that Thomas did see and that he did believe. But how happy, happy would he have been? 
And I think so often as human beings, we want everything to fall into place. We want to be pr- everything to be proved, everything to be logical, everything to happen just like that. If I have learned one thing about being a believer, it's that God never behaves how I want him to. And I'm kind of pleased about that. I'm kind of pleased about that. If I've learned another thing in my time as a Christian, is that I cannot get my head around God. And just when I think I have, he does something different. And he changes it. And I'm pleased about that, because I need some mystery about God. If I can get my head around God, he ain't worth following. If you can get your head around God, he isn't worth following. And so I love this mystery. Oh, let's, let's, let's think it through. Let's reason. Let's rationalize. Let's try our best to understand and, and experience. But actually, there has to be that kind of mystery. Sometimes you have to believe the unbelievable, however unbelievable it may seem. But I get that the vast majority of people outside there, and it might be that you're here today and you, you're struggling to believe certain things about Christianity. And there's certain objections that people raise. I've noticed this. A, a number of years ago, I was um, speaking in a school in Malvern, which is in the west side of England, just nudging towards Wales, for those of you who aren't familiar. A lot of people in London, they're not familiar with a lot outside of London, to be honest with you. Somebody actually said to me, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Bradford. And they said, oh, is that near Bristol? I'm going to give you permission to Google where Bradford is in relation to Bristol. They're nowhere near. Okay, so be that as it may. I'm from Malvern. And I was speaking in this sixth form, and it's the sixth form. It's the second year of sixth form. I get the numbers all confused these days, but it's the second year of sixth form. And um, it's quite an intelligent school. Many of the young people would go on to Cambridge and Oxford. They're the the kids of of scientists. So there's a lot of really kind of bright people around Malvern. And I was asked to give this, in a sense, like a lecture on why I believe in God. I had 20 minutes, and then I had to field 40 minutes worth of questions, which I really quite like. I like people smashing me with questions. I really enjoy that. So I was up and ready for a fight, okay? Not in a dodgy sense of the word. So I delivered my 20 minutes, and I invited people to ask me the questions. It came to no surprise to me that there was a young lad right on the front row who was the first to ask me a question. It came as no surprise to me because I could tell he did not like anything that I said. What gave the game away is the way there was steam coming out of his ears and his veins and his neck were pulsating. I thought, he doesn't like me. He certainly doesn't like what I'm saying, but I think he doesn't like me either. So I invited the question. He put his hand up. I said, yes, sir. He said to me, the problem with you Christians, I thought, brace yourself, Mark. Brace yourself. He's coming in with the big boys here. Brace yourself. Steady your feet. Receive the question. Talk to Jesus. It'll be okay. And I was thinking, well, it's quite nice that you've reduced it to one thing because I have a lot of problems with Christians. He's reduced it to one thing. I thought this will be enlightening. He said, the problem with you Christians is you only believe what you read in a book and what people tell you. I looked at him, I said, very true. He said, is it? I said, well, you asked the question. 
He said, I know, but I didn't expect you to give the answer. I said, I know, which is why I gave the answer to the question, because now you don't know what to do, do you? He went, no. So I said, can I ask you a question? He said, yes. So I said, how do you believe? We got it. What do you believe in? And he told me what he believed in. He was a something, something, something-ist. I only remember the ist. I don't remember what the something or the something or the something was. So I looked at him, I said, I've never met a something, something, something ist. I didn't say something at the time. I used the words he said. I just can't remember now what they were. I said, tell me what you believe. He told me what he believed. I said, that's amazing. It was amazing. I looked at him, I said, where did you get that from? He said, well, it's true, isn't it? I said, but it's not what I asked. I'm going to ask you again, where did you get that from? He said, it's true, isn't it? I said, it's not what I asked. I'm going to ask you one more. I'm like a lawyer now. I put it to you in the night in question. I said, I'm going to ask you one more time. Where did you get that from? He didn't have a chance to inhale, let alone exhale, when there was a young lady who was clearly an evangelical Christian in the back of the class, and she shouted out, he got it from a book. I looked at him, I said, you didn't. He said, I did, I did. So I said, how come it's okay for you to believe what you believe because you got it from a book and somebody told you, but it's not okay for me to believe what I believe because I got it from a book and somebody told me. He said, well, the Bible's a load of rubbish, isn't it? I said, it's not, and we're going to have that debate. We're going to have that debate in a few moments' time, but would you concede that your or objection, your reason for saying what I believe is unreasonable is unfair because it's the exact same process that you go through to conclude what you believe? And to be fair to the lad, publicly, in front of everybody, he did concede that, and we did have a conversation. His issue was that he thought you had the Bible over here, you have the science over here, and never the twain shall meet. It seemed unreasonable to him, therefore he couldn't believe. And when, they, when we read things in the Bible, for a lot of people it is, it is craziness. But for those who believe, who've seen the power of the Word of God transform our lives, change our lives, make a difference, answer those big questions of life. And the truth is many people believe what they believe not through first-hand experience, but because they read it in a book. People tell them, let's add an extra one in, Google. That's true. So many people Google things. And so for those of us who are Bible-believing Christians, Bible-believe away. <laughs> Keep believing the Word of God. Don't compromise on it. Don't skirt around it. Don't walk away from it or rationalize away from it. Don't feel embarrassed and crazy because you are basing your life on God's words himself. And for those of you who may be here today who are thinking and exploring about faith, God's Word, the Bible, is like, it's still the bestseller. It's worth a read. Now, you might need to be choosy what bits you read to start with, so speak to somebody who's a follower of Jesus, and they'll explain it to you. And those of you followers of Jesus, don't start people at Leviticus. Start them at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> Little top tip there for you, because I'm not being funny. I find Leviticus a bit tough going. 
In fact, it's been a little while since I've read Leviticus. Probably ought to read it again. But it's not unreasonable to believe what we believe just because it's in a book. I mean, obviously, it's about the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, but I didn't think you'd understand that. So it's understanding what we communicate and how we communicate it to people. Somebody once said to me, the, what the problem, I always get this a lot, the problem with you Christians, I get this a lot, it's like a number one starting point. He said, the problem with you Christians is you believe something in it and it just can't be proved. I want you to imagine that I'm a teacher. Can you imagine that? Suspend reality for a moment. Okay. And um, these two down here. Okay. The ministry team down here. Two of them are naughty children. Can you believe that? Yeah. You can imagine that, can't we? No problem. I want you to imagine that you lot are a class. Studious class. Okay. And I'm, I'm doing some, some work on the, what they call, smart board, is that what they call them? On the smart board. I'm doing some work like that. I turn around and I notice that you two are kicking each other. <laughs> Not being funny, but I, I, work with me, won't you? <laughs> work with me. You are on duty today. Kick each other. Come on. You can't, can you? You can't. You just can't bring yourself to do it. You were very happy to do it, to be fair. <laughs> Scott, not so happy. He just feels it needs... If we set up a communion table, can you then kick and immediately go and get forgiven? Would that help? So I turned around and see these two messing about. I said, stop doing that. They say, we haven't done anything. So I said, I saw you with my own eyes. They say, you can't prove it. Totally true. It's reality. I saw it. It happened. I can't, I, I can't explain it. I can't prove it. But it doesn't change the fact that it happened. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because something can't be proved, it doesn't mean it isn't real. It doesn't mean it's not true. Just because I can't prove to God the way you want me to prove God to you, it doesn't change the fact that God is real. It doesn't change the fact that God is real. He loves you. He's got a plan for your life and wants to have a relationship with you. It doesn't change that one iota. It might change the impact of it in your life, but it doesn't change the truth. And the great sadness is science can tell us how we got here, but it can't tell us what we do now we are here. Do you know, I was born through no choice of my own. I'm hopefully going to die through no choice of my own. And then I've got to make life work between those two choices, all through my own choices. I didn't ask to be here. Do you ever feel a bit dumped on? What do I do now? I'm, I'm not going to stress out about thinking how I got here. I want to do what I am. I want to know what I need to do now I am here. And only God can make sense of what we do now we are here. If you want to discover purpose in your life, connect with God. Don't think, oh, it's just too unbelievable. You are like many, many people who thought it was unbelievable and then have discovered it's totally true. There's this man... He'd, um, he'd, he stood in front of a king. He's telling a little bit of his, his own story. He's given a bit of a defense for himself, actually. He's being falsely accused of something. And he's trying to just say why, you know, why he's not done anything wrong. He's given a defense of himself. And um, there's this bloke listening called Festus. 
The guy giving a defense of himself is called Paul at this particular moment in his life. There's this guy called Festus. He is kicking off. He's saying, you're out of your mind. It's not reasonable what you're saying. Paul says to him, what I'm telling you, I'm not out of my mind. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. Ladies and gentlemen, your faith is true. Don't, don't hold back on true. Don't hold back on the message of the gospel. It's true. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's true, true, true. It's not a truth. It's the truth. Don't compromise on that. Don't be wishy-washy about it. Don't be embarrassed about it because we're living in a world that wants to kind of debate what truth is. Let them debate. Hold on to what is true. But what I do think we need to do in the church, because we've not always been very, very good at this, is showing that actually it's reasonable too. It's reasonable to be a Christian. It might seem unbelievable, but it's not. It's not bonkers. It's not crazy. It's reasonable. And I want to encourage you to make a determination today to, deter, to, to journey with people, to, to walk with people, not just to go in, smack them with the gospel and run away. It's to go in and journey with them. And that's going to mean you're going to have to do a little bit of reading, a little bit of homework, a little bit of research, a little bit of getting yourself a little bit more clued up, a little bit better, a little bit more effective. But sharing your faith and answering tricky questions is such an important part of people coming to Christ because it helps them to see that it's reasonable. I um, probably was a little bit um, more excited than I should have been when I received a letter summoning me to court. I wasn't there as a naughty boy. I was there on jury service. Anybody been on jury service? Oh, I loved it. I always wanted to be a lawyer. And so this was like the closest I was ever going to get. <laughs> Honestly, you should have seen me. I was amazing. <laughs> I was in my sweet spot. A little bit overkill wearing the judge's gown when I was sat in the jury. But that was just, I went a bit too far. I didn't do that, by the way. And it was really interesting because the judge gives you a little pep talk and he says, like, you're, I'm here as the judge of the law to make sure everything that happens today is legal and lawful. And he said, you lot are here, the jury, as the judge of the evidence. It's your job to look at the evidence that you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Look at the evidence that you have. And based upon that evidence, you have to determine whether the person was guilty or not guilty. And actually, in most of the cases, we didn't have any scientific evidence. All we had to do was listen to the word of a witness. And our legal system in the UK determines that that is sufficient to decide whether the person was guilty or not guilty. And on one particular case, the only people that were the witnesses, then they're actually called the witnesses, are the ones involved. So one case, this particular case, was where... where a girl had smacked another girl. That was the case. And guess who the witnesses were? The smacker <laughs> and the smacky. I think those are official phrases. The smacker and the smacky. And that's all we had to do. We had to listen to the smacker say why she wasn't the smacker. We had to listen to the smacky 
say why she was the smacker. And that contrary to what the smacker was saying, who's the smacker said that the smacky was the smacker. And all we had to go on was the smacker and the smacky. And all 12 of us had to decide whether the smacker was in fact the smacker. My head was fried. But the legal system said you've had enough evidence. It's really interesting when people say to me, prove God. Because what they mean is scientifically. But how, how unfair is that? When actually valid proof is listening to the words of a witness. That's why I believe in the power of the testimony, ladies and gentlemen. The, word of the, the blood of the lamb and the power of the testimony. It's how they overcame him, the enemy, Revelation tells us. I believe in the power. You should believe in it too. Believe in the power of the, the blood of Christ, the cross, the message, and the power of your testimony. It's valid evidence. And actually, we've got loads of evidence. We've got a load of documents written much more closer to the events that took place that it records about than any other historical document. If I had the time, I'd go into those even more, but I haven't, and so I'm not going to. Our faith isn't just reasonable, it's true. A friend of mine said to me, the problem is, Mark, I can't believe in God because I can't see him. I said to my friend, how do you think we got here? He said, Big Bang. You know the Big Bang? Big Bang. Like a massive bang in truth. I said, well, was it loud? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, was it loud? A big Bang. Was it loud? I said, was it like really bright? I said, what do you mean, was it really bright? I said, did it scare you? Did you jump? Did you spill your cup of tea? Because that's what happens to me. He said, why are you asking me these questions? Why would I know? I said, because you were there. <laughs> he said, what do you mean I was there? I said, you said you were there. He said, I've never said that I was there. I've said, you said to me, you don't believe in God because you can't see him. You then said to me, you only believe in things that you can see. You then said to me, you believe we got here because of the Big Bang. So I thought you were there. That's reasonable to believe in it. On his logic. And again, to be fair to my friend, he went, it's a good point. I said, I know it is. That's why I said it. Lots of people... People that you know believe in things that they have no first-hand evidence of. And what I want to say to you about Christianity, wherever you are in this journey, whether you're thinking about it or whether you're already a Christian, understand this, there is more evidence to support the claims of Christianity than there is for anything else. It's reasonable and it's true. I'm drawing my talk to a conclusion now, Christians are often accused of being narrow-minded. The latest verified statistic, and it's from the Centre for Study of Global Christianity at Gordon Connell Theological Seminary. This is a verified statistic. There are 7.8 billion people in the world at the last count in 2019. It's fractionally higher now. And just over 2.5 billion of those are Christians. 
with this number rising faster than ever before. Don't look at the state of Christianity in the UK and use that as a gauge as to what it's like around the world. It's in a very, very different place. I would argue it's not narrow, it's knowledge. It's not narrow, it's knowledge. Billions claim that Jesus' death and resurrection have changed their life. And therefore, as the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Why? Because the evidence is overwhelming. You can look at the Bible, but you can look outside of the Bible. Writers such as Tacitus, Pliny, Suetonius, all Roman writers, Josephus, a Jewish writer, who weren't Christians, so weren't coming from a loaded bias, a loaded agenda, all talk about this person called Jesus and the miracles that he did. They actually quote that. I was talking to a gentleman just two weekends ago who at university became a Christian because he's reading one of these books that actually talked about Jesus doing the miracles. Historians tell us that Jesus lived and died and that he came back alive. Sir Lionel Lecoux, who lived from 1914 to 1997, is considered one of the greatest lawyers in British history. He's recorded in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's most successful advocate. With 245 consecutive murder acquittals, he was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II twice. He declared, I humbly add, I have spent more than 42 years as a defence trial lawyer, appearing in many parts of the world, and I am still in active practice I have been fortunate to secure a number of successes in jury trials, and I say unequivocally, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof, which leaves absolutely no room for doubt. It's not only true, it's reasonable. If Jesus Christ be not risen from the dead, your faith is in vain. There's some leading experts, lawyers, scientists who've done some incredible research, analyzed everything to help us to understand that Jesus lived, died, came back alive. And he is actually, as we believe as Christians, going to return one day. Can't prove that because it's not happened yet. But the event so far... He rose from the dead. It's a game changer. If you're here today and you've got lots of difficulties, believe in the unbelievable, let me encourage you to have a little look at the person of Jesus and discover whether what he said about himself was true. Because however unbelievable it may seem, if it's true, you need to believe it. And you need to put to one side your disbelief and believe it 